0: Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of What in the Sam Hill podcast, where I investigate paranormal phenomena, high strangeness, cryptozoology, ancient mythology, and the delightfully odd. I am your host and resident nerd, Aaron. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to encourage you to check out the Substack. There we have show notes for each episode that contain relevant links to papers and articles used in research for the episode as well as links to my more metaphysical newsletter, the Moonbeam Mirror. I also want to encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share the podcast with your friends. Let's build a community of weirdos together. Their eyebrows are milk-white also, and so is the hair of the head, and very fine withal, and inclined to curl. They are not so big as other Indians, seeing so clear as they do on a moonlit night we used to call them moon-eyed. For they see not very well in the sun pouring in the clearest day, so that in the daytime they cannot go abroad unless it be a cloudy, dark day. They are weak people, and not very fit for hunting and other laborious exercise. The copper-colored Indians seem not to respect these so much, looking on them as somewhat monstrous. This week we are investigating something close to my home in Georgia, the moon-eyed people of southern Appalachia and the Appalachian foothills. These were a tribe of white people who could not see well during the day and were considered almost an albino race. Multiple Native American tribes have legends of the Moon-Eyed people. The Cherokee legend says that when they moved into the area around the borders of Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina, the Moon-Eyed people were living there. The Cherokees drove out the Moon-Eyed people in order to settle there. The Creek legend says that the Creeks drove out the Moon-Eyed people out of their lands by waiting for a bright full moon to surprise them. And as karmic retribution, the Creeks were conquered by the Cherokees. The Shawnee in West Virginia were said to have interacted with the Moon-Eyed people as well. They called them the Asgen, and claimed to have conquered them also. Out of respect, though, the Shawnee never moved into their lands, but only used them for hunting grounds. It is said that when the Virginia governor came looking to buy land in Kentucky from the Shawnee, The Shawnee refused to sell, because they said the lands belonged to the ghosts of the Asgen. The Moon-eyed people were described as having white skin and white hair. They couldn't see well during the day, but did see well at night. They were shorter and weaker than the other tribes, and their construction was primarily of circular dugout homes with vertical logs, where the earth removed from inside the home was used as roofing material. The Moon-Eyed people were also possibly responsible for the building of the mysterious Stone Wall at Fort Mountain State Park in Chatsworth, Georgia, though the Spaniards and the Welsh are also considered the possible builders. I want to examine each of these characteristics individually to help us draw some conclusions. The white skin and white hair are a notable characteristic relative to the backdrop of primarily tan-skinned and black-haired Native tribes. I imagine seeing a white person after a lifetime of seeing ethnic homogeneity would have been an unbelievable and perhaps even a mystical experience, similar to how children with parasitic twins might be revered as an incarnation of the gods in India, or at least like you or I, seeing a pituitary giant or a primordial dwarf, something truly out of the ordinary, This all has led some to interpret the moon-eyed people as spirits, or some other type of paranormal or mystical phenomenon. Obviously, I don't like starting with a supernatural explanation, but here I think we can throw out supernatural altogether. In my experience, spirits don't build houses. So I think we should strictly focus on physical explanations. The white skin and white hair have also led to claims of true albinism, a genetically inherited condition. Comparisons have been made to the San Bias Indians and their albino mood children. The San Bias Indians are believed by some researchers to have an albinism rate of 2 in 100, which would be far and away the highest rate of albinism in the world. I don't think, however, that albinism is a valid explanation for the Moon-Eyed People, We have never had a fully albino population. Even if the sand bias numbers are accurate, that still means that 98 out of 100 people do not have albinism. There's no way we are getting these descriptions of the moon-eyed people if 98% of them look normal. Also, melanin is critical for optic nerve development, which means those with albinism struggle with varying degrees of vision impairment including some being totally blind that does not comport with the description of moon eyed people as being able to see at night. I think some of these comparisons come from a misunderstanding of the sand bias term moon children. They refer to their albinos as moon children because they believe that the pregnant mother staring at the full moon is what causes albinism. That's a completely different reference from the Cherokees calling the people moon-eyed because they can see better at night. My thought is that this is just blonde hair being described as white, similar to how we use white and black to describe skin tones that are more like shades of cream, tan, caramel, coffee, etc. While a fully albino population seems far-fetched, A fully blonde population is not so unreasonable. Today, even with modern migration patterns, the northern area of the Baltic Sea wedged between Sweden and Finland has a population that is 80 plus percent blonde. If a population remained isolated, 100 percent blonde seems entirely reasonable. And the Appalachians are well known for their isolated communities leading to odd genetic pools, Here's looking at you, blue people of Hazard, Kentucky. And let's not forget the wonders of the southern sun for bleaching out dirty blonde hair to a far more white blonde appearance. Which leads me to the next characteristic. Impaired day vision, but good night vision. This, to me, is so obviously a reference to blue eyes. As a blue-eyed person who lives in Georgia, I can tell you that on sunny days, if I don't have sunglasses... I'm in so much pain, I can't even open my eyes. Even with sunglasses, I still squint the entire time. This is complicated by the fact that I am of the minority that suffers from photic sneeze reflex, where bright lights make me sneeze, especially if it's a sharp transition. So for example, if I leave the grocery store on a sunny day without sunglasses, I can barely open my eyes, I'm sneezing incessantly, my eyes are watering, I look and feel like a damn mess. And it's not just my own personal experience that suggests this could be a blue-eyed explanation for the moon-eyed people. Scientific research bears out that blue-eyed people are more likely to have photosensitivity, are more likely to have photic sneeze reflex, and will likely have better night vision. Of course, I wanna say that by night vision, I mean low light vision, not vision related to night driving. The bright headlights and high contrast of night driving trigger the photosensitivity of blue-eyed people. So even though it's at night, a brown-eyed person would be more comfortable with night driving than a blue-eyed person, typically. As far as weakness goes, I think that can be explained by being open to a northern population, perhaps even a Viking or pre-Viking Scandinavian population, In the southern United States. I feel sure that the farming practices useful in northern Canada or northern Europe would not have translated well to the southern climate. We know the colonists certainly had those issues, and it's generally accepted that they only managed to make a real go of it after the Native Americans shared their farming practices. Every interaction we know of between the Moon-Eyed people and other tribes ended in the Moon-Eyed people being conquered And there are certainly no blonde-haired, blue-eyed Native American tribes kicking around today, or even in the colonial period. Actually, I think Native American history might have been different had there been. Sadly, the legend of the Cherokees was used in the 1830s anti-Indian propaganda to justify the expulsion of the Cherokees to Oklahoma. Newspaper articles at the time even claimed that the Cherokees say they came from the West, So we should return them to the land of their forefathers, though modern scholarship indicates the Cherokee migrated south to the Appalachian foothills as a subset of the Iroquois peoples. But I digress. We have every reason to believe the Moon-Eyed people were weak, but we have no reason to assume that this was a genetic condition. It is entirely possible that they were a struggling civilization who had not yet perfected the art of truly taming the land. There's plenty of good game in the area that would allow a population to survive, but without a flourishing agricultural practice to underpin the hunting practices, it would be hard to truly thrive and fend off neighboring cultures. As far as architecture goes, I have information, but no strong eureka moment. The circular dugout houses with vertical timbers and earthen roof stood out to me as distinct. I thought if I could find similar architecture, I could identify who the Moonbeam people were and where they came from. No such luck, or at least no smoking gun. Elements of the houses can be found elsewhere, for example, in Icelandic sod houses or the Atlantic roundhouses of Scotland, but no exact matches exist. My only explanation is that whoever the Eyed people were they adapted their construction techniques to their new landscape. For example, if they had mostly constructed with stone previously, they might have adapted to using wood now living in a land blanketed by towering hardwoods. If they had not recessed their homes into the land previously, they may have adapted to the dugout home style to mitigate the oppressive summer heat, effectively turning their homes into root cellars. The closest architectural match I could find is in Georgia, actually. It is the Earth Lodge at Okmoji Mounds National Historical Park in Macon. The current structure is a 1930s reconstruction built by the Civilian Conservation Corps, but the floor is original. Evidence shows the original Earth Lodge was burned down, and the charcoal has been carbon dated to the year 1015, This appears to be the oldest example of this style of architecture in North America, predating similar styles of the Plains cultures. Like many forms of ancient architecture, the Earth Lodge aligns both with the cardinal directions as well as with astronomical features. The Earth Lodge, as well as the mounds at Okmulgee, are credited to the Mississippi Mound Builders, though they were an equally elusive and mysterious culture that we do not fully understand. Another architecture possibly credited to the Moon-Eyed people is the 855-foot stone wall at Fort Mountain State Park in Chatsworth, Georgia. The other possible explanations include the Spanish, though DeSoto's records don't put him that far north. In addition, the Native Americans in that area had no idea who built it when asked by the colonists. If it was the Spanish, surely that would have been recent enough for them to have noticed and remembered. Another explanation given is the Welsh Prince Madoc, who supposedly sailed to America in the year 1170. But Madoc appears to be an even bigger legend than the Moon-Eyed people. No one knows where he landed, what happened to him, or where he might have interacted, or who he might have interacted with. Quite frankly, I'm not sure he even existed. He may have just been a figure of Elizabethan-era propaganda, to claim territory in the New World. But is there anything at Fort Mountain to point to its actual origins? Not really. Current estimates suggest it could have been built anywhere from 400 AD to 1500 AD, though I would lean to the older end of that spectrum if the natives in the colonial era were unaware of its origins. To me, that suggests it predates when they moved into the region, which means it probably has been used by multiple cultures over the centuries, but was not likely built by the Moon-Eyed people. So what do we have? The Moon-Eyed people appear to be a blonde-haired, blue-eyed group, who may have had trouble adapting their farming to a southern climate, but definitely had circular earthen architecture. Well... What if I told you that there was a tribe of Native Americans living in the Appalachian foothills area that, at the time of colonization, was the oldest tribe of the southeastern United States? They have circular architecture, many of them have gray eyes, and they have an origin mythos that they came across, the Atlantic. I would like to introduce you to the small but special tribe, the Yuchi. The Uchi have a fascinating story, and I am embarrassed to say that even though I grew up in Georgia, I had never heard of them. The Uchi supposedly landed in the Savannah area and grew to encompass a wider area that centered around the Appalachian foothills. Because of the large distances between their settlements, they easily overlapped territory with other tribes, namely the Creek and the Cherokee. Due to their small size, and the territorial overlap, the Uchi aligned themselves with the Creeks for the purposes of treaty negotiation, first with the colonists and later with the American government post-Revolutionary War. As a result, the Uchi were shipped out to Oklahoma with the Creeks, and the Bureau of Indian Affairs still has the Uchi registered as a subset of the Creeks instead of as their own nation. Despite this bureaucratic blunder, the Yuchi have their own language, culture, folklore, dress, and customs. The Uchi language has some hints of southeastern Siouan influence, but is generally considered a language isolate, unrelated to other Native American languages. Interestingly, though, their language does share some characteristics with Irish, Scottish, and southern Scandinavian tongues. Their petroglyphs also match glyphs found in Ireland and Sweden, so there does appear to be some archaeological and linguistic evidence to support the claim that they originated across the Atlantic. While the Uchi have lost a distinctly northern European appearance due to intermarriage with other tribes, an unsurprising activity given their dispersed settlements, you can find reports of the Uchi having gray eyes and lighter skin than the neighboring tribes. The word yuchi is an anglicization of a creek word meaning water, or water people. So other tribes were clearly linking the yuchi to water, in a way that reminds me of the sea peoples of Mediterranean lore. The yuchi call themselves tsoyoha, not toyota. It's a yuchi word meaning children of the sun, and you can see references to their sun worship in nearly every aspect of their culture, including in their architecture. All of their buildings were circular, as was their town walls. In fact, they were known by some as the Round Town People. Because of their sun worship, they were also gifted astronomers, renowned in the Creek culture, and providing many priests for nominally Creek provinces. It appears that their houses would have looked similar to the timber roundhouses found in Ireland and Scotland, while their main meeting house would have looked like the Okmoji Earth Lodge. And they certainly would have had the astronomical prowess to align their meeting house to the stars in the same manner as the Earth Lodge. As far as the Okmoji mounds themselves, and how the Yuchi align with the historical timeline, this is less clear. Yuchi legend says that when they arrived, the land was empty, but they could see the mounds and shell rings along the coast of a previous civilization that they say had moved south. It's unclear if the Yuchi adopted a mound-building culture based on these relics, if other people built mounds in the Yuchi area, or some combination of the above. Since so much of Native American history is unknown, I'm not sure we will ever know for sure. To me, though, the Yuchi are the Moon-eyed people, and they likely came to America more than a thousand years ago. If you want to learn more about the Yuchi, I recommend the work of Richard Thornton for the historical aspects and Jason Baird Jackson for folklore. Before we close out, I do also want to mention the Mandan tribe of the Dakotas. The Mandans also seem to have a language with Suan overlap, but it is mutually unintelligible from other Siouan languages in the area. Though it is not typically noted as a true language isolate in the way that the Yuchi language is. Their appearance is described as distinctly Nordic though, with pale skin, blonde hair, and blue eyes. And their architecture is also described as having marked similarities with Scandinavian architecture, which makes sense that it would be preserved more highly than in the Yuchi culture, given the similar climates between the Dakotas and Scandinavia. I do not think that the Yuchi and the Mandan tribes are related Rather, I think the Mandan people are proof that there may have been several pre-Viking Moon-Eyed peoples traveling between Northern Europe and America. That is going to wrap it up for this week's episode. If you have any experiences or thoughts that you would like to share, please leave a comment on the Substack posts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the manor and continue the conversation. Who do you think the Moon-Eyed people were? Do you think they built Fort Mountain? Who were the Mound Builders? how is all of this related? Until next time, in the immortal words of Euripides, question everything, learn something, answer nothing. See you next week.